Namotasa Bhagavato Harahato Sama Sambodasa Namotasa Bhagavato Harahato Sama Sambodasa Namotasa Bhagavato Harahato Sama Sambodasa Homage to the Buddha, the blessed, noble, and fully self-enlightened one. Uh, this evening, we're going. I, I want to just revise some of these uh, what the Buddha called hindrances. We've been, we've said little bits about them, but uh, we need to do it a bit more systematically so that uh, you understand what well, we understand. Um, you know, how they arise, how they're sustained, and how to get rid of them. Um, and uh, there are five of them. That's the way he um, uh, sectioned them. And they comprise all the miseries of humankind, <laughs> the full gamut of human misery. Uh, desires, all our desires, all our aversions, uh, our two very good friends, dullness and lethargy. Restlessness, which is sort of catch-all. And the next word, comes, they come together, it's translated as remorse, but I think it's all to do with guilt, shame and, and um, remorse. And the final one, sceptical doubt. <clears throat> So I thought I'd tackle the one which uh, most people probably suffer from even now, and that's our dullness and lethargy. <laughs> so the first thing to understand about dullness and lethargy is that it's an energy. It doesn't feel like an energy, but it's an energy. It's, it's sucking us down into this black hole. And um, if you fall into it, well, that's the end of that, isn't it? <laughs> so our job with uh, dullness and lethargy is very simple. Uh, You refuse to be annihilated. It's as simple as that. Now the question is, how is it we've ended up with this stuff? Um, Such a sort of heavy load inside, uh, you know, the psychic system and and the physical system. Where does it come from? Um, The body obviously needs rest. There's, There's no doubt about that. And the mind needs rest. So it's not as though we're trying to get rid of sleep. The Buddha is said to have slept for two hours a day and he he had a kip in the afternoon, only in the hot season. (laughs) So that's pretty drastic. But it shows you, it gives you an indication of how little we need when the mind is very pure. And in a Mahasi retreat of this nature, we're trying to... uh, cut back on sleep after a certain time just to make that distinction as to how much sleep do we actually need and that becomes more and more apparent as you go on and normally speaking people who stay with me for well three weeks three weeks plus maybe four weeks plus I encourage them to (laughs) move towards three and a half four hours sleep and it's enough you see it's enough once you once you've broken the sound barrier, it's not a problem. <laughs> it's just, 
It's just breaking through these barriers, you know, like getting up at four. You know, I mean, you'd be, you'd be well up at one in the morning if you were getting a, a, a cheap fly bee flight out to Malaga at five o'clock. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> forget up to meditate at one sounds ridiculous. <laughs> so it's a case of, you know, where, you know, how you look at these things. So uh, the fact that we need sleep and the mind needs rest, that's not, uh, that's not in question. The question is, uh, where's the overlay? You know, where's the overlay? Where's it come from? Well, you won't be surprised, of course, to hear that it's by way of indulgence. So how do we use sleep? Uh, often it's a case of um, uh, feeling a bit down, um, a bit bored. So you sort of space out on the couch and disappear for a couple of hours. And you might wake up feeling okay. Now, that couple of hours, you see, that's created this energy, you see. It's created not only an energy, it's created a habit that when we feel a bit down, when we feel a bit low, well, you, go, you have a sleep. You sleep. <laughs> you, just, you just crash out for a little while. Um, then there's that uh, uh, the, the sort of heaviness that comes with, shall we say, a real a sort of a depressive mood. Um, I'm not here talking about clinical depression, which is, you know, quantum leap, really. I'm just talking about just the ordinary stuff that we go through. Um, and instead of remaining awake and allowing it to um, get rid of its energy, we actually increase that depressive energy by pouring sleep on top of it. So when you sleep, it's a suppressive thing on the mind. It's dull. You'll know this, don't you, when you oversleep feels horrible see and that's what we're doing we're constantly putting layer upon layer um, <clears throat> I don't know how much we want to put credence in these scientific uh, investigations because they seem to cancel each other out every so often but one that I did read uh, said that nine hours was uh, worse for you than five hours because they're not meditators you understand but what they're <laughs> but what they're saying is that oversleep is actually can be uh, just as bad for you, if not worse, than, than undersleeping. And I remember saying at the beginning of the retreat that everybody comes with some sort of sleep imbalance, either they're oversleeping or they're undersleeping. And hopefully within the next day or two, you'll see it evens out. And although uh, feelings of dullness and lethargy come up during the day, you can recognize them as that, as old conditioning, and that it's not actually any real need for sleep. So <clears throat> we use uh, sleep and, uh, you know, to suppress stuff, but we wouldn't do it if it wasn't pleasant. See, this is the point. Um, in sleep itself, there's oblivion, and there's no suffering in oblivion, and that's good enough. But there's also that lovely Sunday morning with the papers and the, you know, you're in bed and you're sort of wafting around that sort of subliminal level <laughs> for hours on end. You just get up and have some tea and then you go back to bed. And it's just that, and that, you know, as, as many times as you do that, that's also developing this attitude, but a habit within us is the point. It's a habit within us of uh, seeking happiness in that lovely little subliminal state. And all these, of course, play up when you come, when you come to meditate. They all, they all surface, to, you know, so, so you get this constant feeling sometimes of uh, dullness and lethargy. 
the old translation of that was sloth and torpor, but that puts a sort of um, uh, puts a sort of moral bent on it, which is perfectly right. It is evil, but it <laughs> makes people feel horrible. I don't want to add guilt to the problem. And uh, you'd be surprised. There's a lot in the system. You can't. You know, I just remember in my own experience when it hit me. Um, would be 10 days at a time. I'd be walking around like a zombie for 10 days, just refusing to fall asleep and get banging into the walls. There was a lovely case when I was meditating in this centre, actually, where um, it, was, um, it was one of the uh, meditators, and they were, <clears throat> they were walking up and down at the back of the hall, you see. And um, we were, I, I could see he was having problems with dullness and lethargy, and we're sitting there, this is about, uh, must have been four or five o'clock in the morning, and there's this God Almighty crash, and he's walked straight into a picture on the wall. <laughs> so these things can happen. I was once meditating too with a big fella, I remember tall, South African man, and he, um, he was having trouble with slowness, and he just fell over. And when, we, and when we went to pick him up, he was very upset. I leave me alone, you know. So I don't want you to take it that far. There's no need to be walking into the walls and falling over. But um, that effort to keep awake is enough. Yeah. You, now, uh, it's always the same thing. You're not trying to get rid of dullness and lethargy. As soon as you put yourself in an aggressive mode with anything that comes up, you're adding that aggressive energy into the system. So, for instance, you might think, well, I feel a bit dull. I'll go for a rapid walk. But what you're really doing is just pushing this stuff down and you're layering on top with a sort of excitedness. And that doesn't deal with the problem, see? So when you feel this dullness and lethargy, uh, your first effort is to, you know, just keep lifting, lifting, the, uh, lifting the body, you see, just lifting the spine. And when you find yourself nodding off again, you open your eyes a bit. And when you find that doesn't work, you stand up. And when that doesn't work, it's best to, uh, you know, go out for a walk. And when you walk with with this dullness and lethargy, you just walk gently with it. You're still aware of it, you see. You sort of take the big fat dog for a walk. Just take it round. Take it round the the grounds. Come on, boy. See? Come on. Keep going, keep going. And you'd be surprised how it slowly the energy changes. And remember that all this energy, it's not wasted. You're not getting rid of energy. You're transforming it. So that energy which you felt as dragging you down uh, begins to even itself out. It sort of cures itself. And you just get this nice, even energy coming. Uh, that's if it, if it works. The other side, <laughs> the other side is that you're struggling with this sloth and top and you're making this effort and suddenly it flips and you get into this incredible restlessness. So when that comes, you have to employ uh, different techniques. But the really important thing about this uh, dullness and lethargy is to recognize it as an, as an energy. You see, and it comes in a very subtle way because it comes pretending to be calmness. The mind stops and everything's calm. You feel it, and next minute, of course, you're just banging your head on the floor. So, <laughs> so be careful not to get caught by that. So that's um, this dullness and lethargy. 
the Buddha himself, um, well, there's a story of, Ang- of Moggallana. So there were, he had two major disciples. One was Sariputta, the other was Moggallana. Um, Sariputta uh, was more the intellectual, and uh, it took him um, two weeks to become fully enlightened. <laughs> and he was known to have uh, the knowledge second only to the Buddha. Uh, Moggallana only took a week. And uh, the reason is that he was having problems with this dullness and lethargy and asked the Buddha for some advice. And the Buddha gives him 11, I think it's 11 things to do before he can decide that he's actually tired. And he tells him to rub his legs, uh, fiddle around with his ears, press his ears, (laughs) all, all these sort of little things just to keep himself awake. Walking, of course. And only after 11 goes at keeping himself awake, was he supposed to say, well, maybe I am tired, and, and have a kip. So it's a case of um, not being fooled by it. Uh, you can say to yourself, really, tomorrow, definitely the next day after that, that if you've slept well, then what you're getting during the day is actually uh, this dullness and lethargy, that it's not real, real tiredness. And the added reason for that is that you're not doing anything, I would say. I mean, you're not, you're not doing anything. <laughs> you're just, just sitting here, walking gently up and down, peaceful countryside. Uh, you're not employing the mind, which, uh, which takes up so much energy. Your emotional life is leveling out, which takes so much energy. So you can be uh, slightly um, uh, direct with yourself. And... Uh, you know, look in the mirror and say, this isn't, this isn't real tiredness, this is dullness and lethargy. And uh, uh, take the big fat dog for a walk. And that's, about <laughs> and that's it. Unfortunately, just because you've overcome one mighty attack doesn't mean that you're not going to get another one. So it's a case of uh, recognizing that there's a lot in the system. And uh, these energies move, they shift. So that was was... Rest, uh, restlessness certainly transmutes into this dullness and lethargy. What's dullness and lethargy transmutes into restlessness. And it's a, sort of shifty stuff. So that's basically how you, um, how you work with uh, these, these feelings. Now, if you can stay awake in them, so that dullness, I've, I've mentioned this before, I know, it's like this, this, you know, this porridge in your head. So... It, the thing to do is to keep moving around that area, see? Keep moving your attention around, you see? Just that gives you, gives this attention energy. You feel very, you know, it's like the whole body sagging, see? Just move around the body with your attention. You can do it scanning, sort of very, in a very sort of um, um, methodical way, keep going up and down. And you may find that constantly coming up lifts the energy because where your attention is, that's where your energy is. So if you feel very dull in the body, if you start down near your feet and your legs and you keep coming up top of your head, then you go back down again, you see, you'll find it. It sort of lifts the energy for you. But don't do it in order to get rid of the feelings of, of, um, of lethargy. See, if you do that, then you're in a battle. You're... you're and you're adding a negative energy to the system. See? Eventually, you, just, you can just exhaust yourself. 
Yeah. So you start off by lifting the spine. And when you feel, the, when you when you when you re- realize that actually this calmness is just the opening gambit <laughs> for, for dullness and lethargy, and then you, you wander your mind, you wander your attention around your head. If it's dull, you wander up and down the body. And if, if you find yourself doing this business, you open your eyes a bit, but you keep your attention going round. Yeah? And then you still find yourself doing this, so you stand up and you still keep your attention going round. So make sure your eyes are open when you're standing, by the way. You lose balance there. Um, and keep going around the body. And if you find that's really too heavy, you're still, you're still not waking up inside it, then just gently make your way out and go for a walk. Hmm? And of course, just in doing that, you're beginning to see this, the, the fact that the dullness and lethargy has arisen of its own accord. Right? It's not under your control, so it's not me, not mine. You can see it's changing nature. So there's your anicca. And you can see the dukkha because a lot of you will want to disappear into it. The desire to annihilate. See, It's just another form of annihilation. The Buddha says that we have three desires. The desire for sensual pleasure. The desire to become. To keep becoming. And the desire to annihilate. So this is a very subtle form of suicide where you disappear for a while because you wouldn't do it if it was real suicide. So it's the other side of, of escaping, you see. We want to escape. And we think that, well, maybe this is a good escape just to fall asleep for a little while. So just working with that is in itself a process of, um, of awakening. Okay. Are there any immediate sort of questions or that come out of that? Are there three desires you just talked about? The desire to become? Yeah, like when you... Um, the self always is always living in a future, isn't it? You know, you always want to become something. If you, like, like, for instance, now you might be planning your holiday, so you want to become a holiday maker. So it's always, you're always either planning to become something or planning not to become something. But is that pretty clear about this dullness and lethargy? And uh, only you can get to know yourself. Only you can find out where the limits are. And remember that this has to be taken into daily life. You see, you can't keep coming on these on these heavy retreats and then going back and crashing out on the sofa. I mean, it's just... <laughs> it's just like... It's like you get, well, well, you understand that. So, <laughs> so it's a case of once you recognise this, you have to take this insight into your daily life and, and work with it then. See, I had somebody come on a retreat once for whom this was getting to be a real problem. She was just falling asleep all the time, you know? It's also people who go into retirement have this big problem too. There's nothing to do. They're sitting reading the newspaper and off they go, you know. So, uh, and there are even sleep clinics where they knock you back 20 minutes to try and get you back into an ordinary sleep. So, you know, it's, um, for some people it can become quite obsessive falling asleep. And I'm not talking about depression. They're not particularly depressed. They're just like... It's like being annihilated, being in a state of oblivion. 
So this understanding you have to take into your daily life, you see. And of course, in daily life where you've got the pressures, depending on your particular situation, then you, you always, or I would say, you always err on the side of sleep yeah, rather than the other side. Hmm. Steve, yeah? Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, any. I mean, if you want to raise energy, you can you can use visualizations to raise it. Uh, this morning we were doing some qigong, and basically that's what it is. You're raising energy, sort of lifting it up and pushing it down. You know, uh, but you just have to be careful that you're not trying to get rid of. That's that's your big problem, because then you're putting an aversion into the system. That's all. Yeah, that's fine. No, that's fine. It's your, that's right. All we have to be aware of at all times is what the intention is. Just make sure your intention is correct. That's all. Related to that, what do you think about the practice of, sort of uh, focusing higher and lower in your body, depending on whether you're yeah, I don't think it would, would it? Well, you can try and see what happens, but I don't. Um, you think it works? I've never tried it. Yeah. Best of luck. <laughs> I mean, I would say be careful about uh, using other techniques than the Mahasi in general. Because then you lose the meditation then. And you're more worried about keeping your energy high. But that's not the point, you see. The point is awareness, not energy. See? And what we're, what we're saying is that even when you're dull, you can be brightly aware. Even when you feel heavy in the body, you can still be brightly aware. See? And that happens when this knowing really begins to empower itself as the observing, the feeling the one that knows, the one that feels, then it draws its energy into itself and awakens, even within the cloud, even within the fog or smog. See? Whereas if you're too concerned about physical feelings in the body and raising energy, then you've lost the plot a bit. That's all. Well, yeah, no, the, well, the intention is to observe the feelings, the sensations, um, the process of this dullness and lethargy. That's your real intention. And that should keep you awake. See? Um, and you have to be, you know, like the mind is very slippery, you know, because... You're saying that actively to yourself, but actually when you observe what you're doing, you're pushing the stuff away. <laughs> so it, this, this sort of subliminal, uh, half-unconscious intentions can be there whether you like it or not. So you have to be quite bright. Uh, so you're constantly, yeah, you're constantly um, awake 
to little intentions that are creeping into the equation. But um, not to be too worried about that because they're not consciously empowered intentions and therefore, again, they're just old habits. Hmm? So it's, it's just, it's the usual thing. You're just aware of it. As soon as you become aware of it, then you can drop it. Confess, <laughs> repent. Uh, no, not really. I think it's that's very individual, isn't it? Very individual. Yeah. But here on a normal retreat, it would take three days. That's the way I reckon it. Anyway, you can see it in people's faces. So that's this business of uh, dullness and lethargy. The other side of that is this restlessness. So here again you've got to be uh, slightly careful because there's two types. There's the restlessness of the mind when it's going all over the place and there's the restlessness in the body, the sort of energy that you get which makes you want to jump up and, and suddenly you find yourself outside the door, things like that. Um, and that's, uh, in a sense, that's much the same because you, uh, you can feel, if it's in the mind, you see, it's constantly gets into all sorts of rubbish just churning, 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 yeah? So all you can do is be very patient, you see. You just note thinking or, or if it's, you know, just wandering mind, whatever. And you just, as it were, you just turn back, you see. You turn away from it. And when you come back in the body, um, you may feel some excitement there, but often you don't feel anything. And so you just come back to the breath. And if you can, just stay with the breath and you're sort of aware of that, of that energy wanting to escape back into the mind. And if you can keep at that level and wait for this energy to die away, it's like, you know, it's like, hmm? then of course the mind stops. Now, if you come off the thinking mind, so you're wandering, wandering, and you come back to the breath and you try and force yourself on the breath, then you're in a battle again. It's a very subtle... Uh, situation we're in because we want to stay with the breath so we, we try and force it a bit and that energy just shoots out again and goes into this thinking so it gets worse and worse and you think you're going mad and you probably are <laughs> so it's a case of so it's very, you've got to be really patient with the mind and accept that it, the mind is not me not mine this is, a, this is another teaching and that all you can do is wait for this conditioning to exhaust itself which it will, it will exhaust itself. And sometimes you come off this uh, thinking mind, you come back and you can feel the excitement somewhere in the body, the, some form of excitement. And so th that's where you stay, you stay with that physical feeling of excitement. So with all these things, what's happening is that the heart is in turbulence and it's finding a way of indulging itself through the mind. So here we can't, uh, when you're sitting especially, or doing slow walking meditation, uh, it, it can't find a way of making you rush or do something rapidly or, or, or eating at an enormous rate, you know. So all it, the only escape it's got is his head, see. So that's why the head in meditation, 
seems to go more berserk than in daily life because <laughs> the energy's got nowhere to go. See? Normally speaking, you'd be running around like a, like a, a you know, headless chicken. But here, there's no way for it to go. So, so you get this confusion, this huge energy sometimes in the head of, of, uh, of thinking that just won't stop. Become sort of obsessive, the same thought, the same tune, you know. It can move over to the other types of the same worry, the same, the same constant mind chewing itself. So you note it. Right? You try and be as accurate as you can with your noting. It might be worry, it might be just excitement, whatever it is. And you just turn away. See, as you turn your attention away, you're withdrawing energy. You're withdrawing energy from that. And you come back to the body. If you can't feel anything, you stay with the breath, but you try to contact that desire. It's like an energy wanting to go back there. You can feel it as a sensation in the body, as an excitement, as a some sort of shaking or something, then you stay with that, you see. When that begins to drain away, the mind stops. Okay? So then you realize also that the mind and emotions are two different forms of energy, the one firing off the other. Okay? When it comes to the body... Uh, the mind can be quite still sometimes, but the body feels enormously restless. Um, the body can feel with lots, of, lots of energy in it, shaking, uh, lifting, moving around, you see. Well, that's just another mental turbulence which has now been suppressed into the body. Now, this is a better form of restlessness, at least here. If you just have enough, a uh, bit of patience with it, you can do much the same as with the... Um, as with the uh, dullness in the body, the, um, the lethargy, just keep moving around, you see. Just keep moving around the body, feeling it. And if you can, just stay still with it and let it, let it expend its energy. That's all it's doing. Yeah? Sometimes also you might find your body sort of shaking and, you know, doing this business, you see. So when it's doing that, you always, you always counter it. You always lift up the spine. What's happening there is this energy is coming up and it's hitting these points where there's, where there's some congealment. Usually it, it equates to the chakras, if you know that system. And when it comes to that sort of um, congealment, I don't like using the word block, you see, because it isn't a block, it's just a, it's like a whirlwind, it's just twirling around itself. As it comes to that, then you get this shaking, you see. And if you just stay there, it'll work its way up. Now, you've got to help that by sitting up and lifting up, you see. So by lifting up, you're drawing up the energy up the body. Hmm? And as you breathe out, you can take it down. And very slowly, it'll, it'll sort itself out. If you give in to it, you see, unwittingly, you might be supporting it. So the shaking gets worse. I remember one meditator, this is going way back. Boy, his head was going like a, like a hammer. And <laughs> nobody was giving him any instruction. I don't know what happened to him. I just hope he didn't behead himself. Because he was all that. This was it, and I thought, I kept looking at him. My goodness. So, and it's just because there's something, see, blocked. So when, when you feel that shaking in the body, just recognize it as a turbulence, see? Don't try and figure out what it is. Like, for instance, you know, is this anxiety, or is this, um, is this worry or something, you see? Because you're only guessing, you haven't a clue what it is. See? 
And sometimes these things come out just as energy. You never find out what it was, and you never find out why you had it. See? The example the Buddha gives is of somebody who's shot with an arrow. And um, you know, they come to take it out and heal him. He says, don't move it. He said, I want to know who fired it, who made the arrow, why he fired it. Well, he's dead before. <laughs> so that sort of uh, self-investigation, of sort, of, uh, sort of psychotherapy, is, is an absolute waste of time. Um, and especially when you consider that that within you, which is seeking these answers, is itself the deluded one. So it's bound to come up with an answer which satisfies it. Yeah? It's my mother, or my, or my dad, somebody, you know, somebody. They did it, you see? So, so uh, when any of that, that sort of self-investigation comes up, you know, just, just note it as um, useless, unprofitable, completely unprofitable. And the reason, the, the actual reason is because whatever happened in the past is completely gone. It's finished, that's it, right? Finished. What you're suffering now is a consequence of that, see? And this consequence that you're suffering, uh, this consequence that we're bearing with, only has to be born, and the consequence of what happened in the past blows out. So it's irrelevant to know, you know, that um, it was because your mother hit you on the head with a bag of marbles <laughs> that you're suffering from this anxiety complex. God bless our mothers. They come in for a lot of heavy, heavy. <laughs> One of the, just as an aside, um, you know, this whole business about parenting and whatnot, I think it forgets the equation that little babies happen to come into this world with their own peculiar little conditionings. And uh, often they're the problem, not, <laughs> not the parent. <laughs> I think, I think parents need to have a bit more uh, kindness to themselves. So, uh, that's the restlessness. Yeah? So, when it's in the mind, you just very gently, very persistently, just keep coming off it. Don't give yourself a time. Don't say this will be over by in, a, in an hour or by the day. See, just stay, stay right within, uh, as best you can, the present moment. Now, there is mental restlessness. That's fine. I know what to do, I just keep coming off it, keep coming off it, feel that energy wanting to go, wait for it to die away. If it's in the body, you stay with the body. Hmm? If it's a heavy restlessness in the body, however way we feel it, um, we just stay with that. Okay? don't have to do anything. This is the great sort of insight, that the purification of the heart for the, for the total, total purification of the heart. Of all its diseases, you don't have to do anything. All you have to do is bear with it. <laughs> all you have to do is just bear with the stuff that comes up and to give it the time and space to evaporate. I think what disappoints us is that there's so much of it. <laughs> if, it was, <laughs> if it was just a week retreat and you were away, that would be great. But unfortunately, it seems to be never-ending. However, we must carry on. Are there any questions that arise from restlessness? And you can do the, the thing, of course, if it's too much. That's the other thing. If it's too much, then one just goes for, to walk. 
and walk gently, just like as if you had this dullness and lethargy. Just walk gently up and down, so you're not trying to get rid of it, and just feel the restlessness. And that, that does help us to bear with it, and eventually you'll see it, it, it passes. Is there anything else? Any questions? Yes, yes. Well, there are twitches and twitches, aren't there? Sometimes a nerve, you know, it does that business, things like that. I think that's just physical. I don't think that's so much restless. But it's a good teaching. Notice your desire to want to chop your thumb off. Mm-hmm. Itching, is it? That's a lovely one to work with. An itch. <laughs> just to stay there with it. Mm. You know, <laughs> the hand constantly moving to scratch it. Just stay with it, you know. Just very good. Definitely worth, definitely worth working with an itch. Yeah. No, you always try and stay with it as best you can, always. But when it gets too much, and that's up to you to decide, uh, then you move. See, then you move. Yeah. Um, time goes on. Uh, the next one that I'd like to do, I suppose, let me think now, would be um, uh, doubt. Uh, doubt can be, there's, <clears throat> there's a distinction to be made between wonder, which is a philosopher's um, emotion, it's a philosopher's. Attitude, one of wonder. And the wonder is saying, is this true? Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. Is this true? I'll investigate. Now that's the mind the Buddha wants us to develop. He doesn't want us to develop a belief system. Right? It's not a case of believing what he says. That will not liberate us at all. Hmm? What liberates us is to have the very experience that he had. And you can only have that experience by investigating the way he did. So all his teachings are simply pointers for us to uh, follow in a similar path. Hmm? So our attitude is one of um, coming from a position of not sure, don't know, will investigate. Now that's, that's our proper situation and it expresses itself in one of the seven factors of enlightenment as interest curiosity hmm? now the the uh, what we don't want is this what's known as skeptical doubt skeptical doubt is what stops you doing the investigation it might be out of fear fear of failure it could be an aversion uh, but every time you get this doubt uh, which stops you doing the practice then it becomes a, a, real, a real block to your spiritual um, advancement. And uh, there, are obviously, there are three sorts of doubts. There's obviously doubt about the Buddha's teachings, which, um, because you're here, I doubt very much that you, you have that. 
Um, there can also be doubt about the teacher. Heaven forbid. And, <laughs> and one overcomes that by simply following what the teacher said. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, that's the end of that. You're going to find somebody else. Uh, but I think the one that we have most difficulty with is self-doubt, where we're saying that everybody else can do it, but I can't. You know, I'm, I'm sort of special that way. So it's a case of when that self-doubt comes up, uh, always you know, go into the, feeling, into the feeling tone of that doubt. See? Um, the doubt uh, may be manifesting simply a self-hatred a self-judgment. Uh, it might be manifesting some voice in the past which is telling you that you're no good. See what I mean? So don't be confused with that self-doubt. See it as something to be investigated, in which case uh, the self-doubt doesn't obsess us. See? So when you get that feeling of I'm no good, I can't do this, you know, this is too much and all that, then really sort of investigate that. Investigate the feeling tone of it. And sometimes it's caused by overreaching, by, by having some idea of what I can do, which is overreaching, some perfection. And we've set ourselves a target which is too high, and when we can't reach it, we say we can't do it at all. See? So you have to investigate that too. And this sceptical doubt, remember, runs right through our life. It's not just a spiritual point. It's when you have a doubt about whether you can do the job or not, see? And, and it stops you from trying. That's the sceptical doubt. To have doubt as to whether you can do the job is, 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 is obviously natural because you haven't done it yet. But when that doubt becomes a block and you can't actually take the job, then it's become a sceptical doubt. It's the same with relationship. See, you have a relationship and you think, well, I don't know, I don't know. And then you pull out. That's often because... Uh, there's something else going on. See, I mean, you don't know until you've until you've entered a relationship. See, so whenever you whenever you see that doubt coming up in life, just you know investigate the feeling tone of it because that feeling tone will give you the underlying motivation as to why the doubt has arisen. And as I say, it could be anything. It could be fear of failure. It could be the fact that you you're over, you. Uh, you're overreaching and uh, you've tried and you've failed and therefore you think you can't do, do it. So uh, it's something to be investigated. And the great thing about meditation is that <clears throat> um, when we come to meditate like this is that these things often come to the fore for us. They often come quite, quite up in our consciousness. And that's the time to sort of investigate it. Hmm? So um, in terms of our practice, it's the continuation of the practice that will reinforce our faith in ourselves and in the practice itself. See, just the doing is enough. Is there any questions around that? Well, you might be, see, doubt will always come as a mentation. You know, I can't do that, this is no, you know, I can't do this, I'm, I'm no good and all that. And when you come into the body, perhaps you can feel the self-hatred. And then you know, ah, 
this is just the way that self-hatred is expressing itself. I'm no good, I'm useless, you know. Um, it's more it's more in the sense that you can actually what I'm suggesting here is that you can actually feel the hatred towards yourself the aversion you have towards yourself if it's if it's not so obvious if it's more like a tension then of course you can't say what it is but it'd be but it, it's more skillful to stay there than to start into a into a dialogue with this self-doubt you know then you get into lists yes and no <laughs> I think the tone is, is um, giving you an in to your actual real reason for doubting. See? The doubt will always express itself as, as logical. That's the problem. There will always be some sort of intellectualization of a situation. Which is, which is telling you, I can't do this, you see. Yeah, it's a, it's a subtle one, but uh, if you if you find yourself suffering from that sort of I can't, I can't, then uh, you know just go into the body and just you know just keep feeling what's actually coming up, and I think you'll find this attitude. Now, when that attitude comes again, you can't get rid of it, you can't destroy it. You have to do your vipassana with it. You have to let it arise, not be fooled by it, and sometimes you have to make a leap of faith. I said to hell with it. And the more you make your leap of faith, the more courage you have and the less power these doubts have over you. Uh, in terms of success and failure, it's just those words that often create problems for us. If we think of life more as trial and error, then it's an easier thing to work with. See? You're just having a go. Okay, didn't work, fine, you move on. But as soon as there's success and failure, the, the sort of self gets in there, the ego, and it's, it's all very humiliating and all that. Yeah. Got the wrong timetable. Can't remember my own timetable. Oh yeah. <laughs> so if we, if we um, take a little break, and then I think we come back for a bit of sitting, and then walking and sitting, draw the day to a close. Okay. I trust that my words have been of some assistance. May you be fully liberated from all. Dullness, lethargy, restlessness and doubt sooner rather than later. <laughs> Very good. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.